In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an awesome guest here with me. Jordan, how are you, my friend? I'm doing amazing. I'm so pumped to have you here today. I'm so excited to hear your story and just all that you're about. You're an absolute rock star in everything that you do. And it's so funny how like we have so many mutual connections. And I'm like, Hi. <laughs> I'm so glad that I met Mr. Awesome. Like, here we are. <laughs> here we are conversing today. You make but... me sound way better than I am. So, <laughs> <laughs> so one of my biggest questions for you, Jordan, and this is one of my favorites, is what inspired you on your journey to where you are today? I think there'd be one person and that would be my mom. You know, we're fortunate we had her on this planet for 54 years, but you know, her her journey almost didn't happen, which means my journey almost didn't happen. And I'll really shed some light on that. So in 1957, my grandmother was raped in Los Angeles. And wow. then, you know, in 1958, January, my mom was born and she was born with one lung. And, and back in the 50s, when that happened, the doctors were basically like, hey, well, you're probably not going to live to 18. Definitely won't be able to have any kids. It's basically they just kind of hand you the sheet that's like life's not going to go too well, you know. And but my mom was super resilient. You know, she was a fighter. She even with that one lung up through high school, she you know played sports. She was active. She you know graduated high school. She turned 18. And, you know, at 20, she had my older brother. So, you know, the first obstacle, you know, was overcome. She had me about a year and a half later and went on to have five boys right and my youngest brother she had at 40 years old this is a woman that never you know looked at her circumstance and, and tried to play the victim she was just so positive so she taught me positivity optimism she had a great sense of humor she was kind of like espn before it existed in terms of sports like she knew our local trailblazers because we grew up in portland she loved the local teams and so she had so much life for someone that could have easily looked at her circumstance and just gave up, she had so much life. And so a lot of that was really, really invested into me, you know, and unfortunately, 2011 came around and uh, she got pneumonia and ended up in the hospital and everything just started happening. You know, there was the trifecta lungs kidney, heart, everything started to fail from having to overcompensate for all those years. And she passed away in March of 2012. And, and that was tough. I mean, mom was everything. Mom was talked to her two or three times a day, that type of relationship. So I went through probably six months of now it was definitely depression because I, I don't remember the time passing. I was, you know, managing this massive community in Atlanta, almost 600 units. I had 17 team members and I just don't remember. I've just was kind of walking through the motions and got a demotion, which was probably the best thing could have happened in hindsight um, that eventually led me to getting uh, a role in, in training. But, you know, losing someone's hard, losing someone that, you know, plays a major role in who shapes you is, is a lot harder. But, you know, the lessons that she taught me and that she's still teaching me today and really thinking about uh, the life that she lived is really uh, what inspires me. Jordan, thank you so much for sharing that. And it that was absolutely 
beautiful, like just absolutely beautiful. And I love that you say she still inspires you today. So, 100%. you know, yeah, I mean, honestly, Pam, it was getting the courage to tell her story actually brought my story to life because my mom, I mean, I look at what she experienced for 54 years and I'm like, man, I haven't experienced anything yet. Right. And, and I'm a kid just to kind of give you some pivotal moments. If, if that's okay, like in fourth, fourth grade, I got stung by 53 bees. I mean, this is one of those, this is one of those migral situations, you know, where it's fourth grade graduation. We're at a park. I was up to bat. I swing the bat. It flies behind me under a tree. I grab the bat. I stand up and there's a beehive on top of my head. And so now it turns into a movie. I'm running. The bees are chasing me. The kids are running. The teachers are running. And they eventually dump these coolers on and start picking bees off. And the reason I know the number is that's how many stings that they found when I you know, went to the doctor. They're like, holy cow, you got stung a lot. And and so I look at that situation and I shouldn't be here right in the first place. Like there there were chances that my mom wouldn't have, have me. And then I had this circumstance happen in fourth grade and survive it. And, and I started to think like maybe there is a reason why. Why I'm actually here, right? You start to, to ask that question and we fast forward to 12 years old. You know, we, we grew up pretty poor. Like mom had four kids and one, one later and food stamps and free lunches and moving several times, you know, as, as kids. And one of the things that happened at 12 is we moved a couple towns down. I had to take two public buses just to go to my middle school. I'm a seventh grader, right? So my mom went on the route with me a few times just to make sure I had it. And then there was like a pit stop in between at a 7-Eleven convenience store. And every day I had the same routine, Pam. I would go in, I'd have a dollar and quarters. I would go to Mortal Kombat 2 and I would just be kicking butt, you know, waiting for my, for, for my bus to come. I had 30 minutes. And I knew the lady at the store. Her name was Rosa. My mom had met her, you know, just making sure that there's someone there to watch me until this bus came. And on one day, I was playing Mortal Kombat 2, just like clockwork. I hear the, the chimes, the bell of the, the store, and a male voice said, hey, Daniel. And I'm not Daniel, so I just kept playing, you know, I'm just playing my game. And within about a minute, my body was lifted. I was thrown into the Terminator 2 pinball machine next door that had a gun that you pull the trigger. My ribs were forced against that. I was hit a couple times, thrown on the ground, handcuffed, and put into a cop car. And mind you, I'm like, what in the... I was so shocked. I didn't try to run. I didn't do... You know, I was just like, what's happening? I was crying. The lady at the stores literally yelling at the cops saying, his name's not Daniel. Like, I know his mom is Jordan. And they're like, shut up, lady, or you're going to get arrested too. And put me in the car. And my only saving grace, Pam, was... And I wasn't a great kid at homework, but I remember I did it the night before. And I said, officer please look in my jacket. My name is Jordan Mendoza. It has my homework in my pocket. And, you know, he reached in my jacket. He unfolded this, you know, piece of paper that said Jordan Mendoza. And he looked like he saw a ghost, Pam. It was, he was like, oh crap, like we just screwed up. And, and the backstory was they were looking for a Hispanic runaway. You know, for one, I'm not Hispanic, so I was just racially profiled based on my appearance. Uh, for two, I wasn't a runaway. I was there every day. Like, I was literally there every day waiting for this bus. But, you know, what's very interesting about the whole situation is I saw my mom suffer, right? So I you know, really built up some empathy. I saw my mom, my grandmother get dementia and then you know, eventually get lung cancer and eventually pass away. And so I had this high level of empathy. And I remember telling my mom, I was like, mom, I just want these police officers to lose their jobs. Like, I don't want 
some long drawn out thing. And of course they sent me to psychiatrists and they're like, what do you see in this picture? And, and do you hate cop? You know, they're trying to ask. And I was like, literally, I was like, listen, I don't, I know they made a mistake and I know that they definitely should be fired, but I don't want a, any long drawn out process. And I had this at, at, at 12, you know? And so that empathy was so strong that I, I just wanted to go away. And that's exactly what took place. They lost their jobs and I went on with my life. And I actually didn't share that story. The first time was probably 2019 that I had ever really, you know, shared that story. And, and someone had just asked me about diversity and inclusion. And I said, wow, that's actually what this topic is all about. It's about looking at someone and, and deciding who they are before you actually have any context, you know. So I learned some lessons that day. I learned that, you know, even people that are in power, they can still make mistakes. And it doesn't matter where what you are. You could be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a police officer, a, a business owner. We all make mistakes. You know, we are imperfect people in an imperfect world, you know. So uh, I went with the lens of, you know, grace. And, I, of course, losing job is tough. But I think that that was warranted for, you know, the level. I mean, I had bruised wrists and ribs and it was tough. You know, it was a tough situation. I like to share that story because I'm not the only one that that's happened to. And if you look at turn on any news channel in 2022, you're going to see these same things are still happening. And so I hope that, you know, it, it instills something in someone that's like, man, maybe we need to create more awareness around these topics, you know, in the workplace, you know, in our businesses. And I know that there's been some changes that have been implemented, but I, it's super important to talk about. Right. Absolutely. No, Jordan, thank you so much for, for sharing that, giving an insight on your childhood and also things that have happened along the way. I mean, you literally are, are built as an underdog, like literally. Yeah. Everything. You know, and, and what's crazy, Pam, is I haven't even told you pivotal moment number three, right? So we, seven years, we fast forward seven years. I was 19. I was doing uh, business to business sales. We were living down in California. We were about to go open an office in New Jersey. So we were driving across the country with a caravan of cars. And it was late, uh, about four in the morning in Wyoming. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's very desolate. There's not, literally nothing to look out, look at. There's like an exit every 40 miles. So gas stations are scarce, stores are scarce. Wow. We're in this caravan. I had fallen asleep and there was three other passengers in a Chevy King Cab truck. The driver also falls asleep. So we're going north of 70 miles an hour. He wakes up, overcorrects, the truck slides, and we start flipping several times, and then the truck lands. When I actually realized what happened, we the truck had landed. Our driver, our buddy, Jeremy, was literally not in the car. He had been ejected about 25 yards from where we landed. So he gets life-flighted to Casper. I didn't even realize I was hurt. There was so much adrenaline. I get out. I reach my right hand on my leg. I had a cut about a fist deep. I ended up having surgery. I had 52 staples between my both of my legs. And the doctors were like, you know, you may not be able to walk normally, you know. And I had to go from a walker to cane to crutches. And the craziest part about it is within six months, I made a full recovery. It's crazy. Wow. And I actually, our saving grace for this whole thing, Pam, is there was a conference and some off-duty EMTs happened to just be coming down just after the accident happened, called it in, called the ambulances in. And I had lost so much blood. I had to have blood transfusions and I had lost like pints, they said, of blood. And, and so we got very, there was definitely someone watching us, you know, that day and looking over that situation. Oh my goodness, Jordan, you've dealt like with so many different, so many different things. And honestly, going back to your childhood, right? And when that when that moment happened, there's obviously some people can get PTSD from a situation like that and, you know, have a sense of hate 
for certain people and like all of these different things, but it seems like every single time you were able to push through. And yeah. so what was your process like? Because you mentioned your mom provided a lot of optimism and like 100%. empathy and joy, which I think is absolutely powerful and amazing. And I know that has a lot to do with you kind of being able to move on pretty yep. quickly from things, but you know, it's a process. And for anyone who's listening, maybe they've gone through something traumatic, similar yep. to the two experiences you just explained. And what would be your recommendation? Like, what was the process like for you? And, and what advice would you give? Well, honestly, for me, it was a pretty quick process. You know, I realized that somebody made a mistake, you know, and I try not to hold grudges against people. I try to forgive them, right? Because holding in anger doesn't serve us. But it's easier to be angry than it is to be happy when you've been a victim of something. Like, that's the natural way that you want to go. But I just... I've always looked through an optimistic lens. And so I always like even my wife's like one of my favorite things to say is, but the good news is, you know, like it could be the worst things happening. Like something happened with our cars broken down, like doesn't matter. And I'm like, well, the good news is I'm always trying to find a positive source, a positive way to relook at something. And I think when you do that over and over and over and over again, even when things in, in the doldrum moments come, because we all have them, we all have these dark times in our lives, light always outshines darkness. Amen. I love that. I just think your positivity is so infectious and so beautiful. I, I just love it. I love that you say like, but the good news is, you know what I mean? You're always yeah. looking at the brighter side. And like, it's hilarious is I see so many parallels between our lives and it's kind of crazy. Like me, I was always called positive Pam. Because people are like, like, does nothing piss you off, Pam? Like, it's like rainbows and castles. I'm like, what else do you expect? Why can't it be? Right. And <laughs> right. why can't it be? Right. Like, why choose the other side and sit there and complain? And then, and, and then what? Like, what happens? when you do that, right? Like, and so the positivity I, I love and adore so much and all the inspiration that comes from your mom and just like all of that and growing up with nothing. I mean, I was the same way. Came to the US when I was five, we had nothing, nothing. My parents won the visa lottery to come here. My brother was a newborn. I was five years old. We didn't have any family here. Parents didn't know how to speak English, like no job security and no living security. Like literally they came here with a few thousand dollars because they wow. won the visa lottery. And just, you know, stayed with a few family friends that we knew of, didn't even know personally, they let us stay with them. And then, then goes yeah, the course. Yeah. But I think when you come from situations like that, you see empathy in a new light, right? Like 100%. Because you see the struggle and like, I don't know how to explain, like that changes you, right? Like you're yeah. just, you have yeah, a whole no, level of everything. I mean, I could, you know, to add a couple more pieces of the puzzle, I grew up with an alcoholic stepdad and he yeah. was abusive and he would throw bottles and, you know, th things like that. So I had to have a moment at, at about nine years old where I just said, you lay your hand on my mom again and, he, and you, it'll be the last time you ever do it. And he never touched my mom again from that point, you know, so there's been some, you know, tough situations like that, that I've, you know, kind of been thrown into. And the other thing, I didn't meet my dad till I was 12. Like, you know, I, my mom was like, Hey, your dad wants to meet you. He lives in Washington, DC. Do you want to go? I'm like, yeah, let's go. She's like, no, you're going to go. <laughs> like, I'm like, by myself. And so at 12, I flew from Portland to St. Paul, Minnesota to Washington National and met yeah. this Filipino family that, you know, my dad remarried and had a couple kids. And, and I got to really see a whole different side of my ancestry. And then at 16, I got the opportunity to go to the Philippines by myself for three months and really get invested into that culture. And what I found out is how good even poor kids have it in, in the U.S., because here's a culture that we're sitting there freaking pumping our water out of the ground. Yeah. They're like, I'm like, hey, where's the shower? They're like, you go in that room, 
<laughs> there's a big bucket and you see the little bucket you take the little bucket you scoop it in the big one and now you've got a shower <laughs> you know? and yeah. so that experience for three months when i came back to the states even though what i went back to most people would look at and say you guys don't have it great i was like we are so rich yeah. and so there's experiences like that that I've been fortunate enough to have that have made deposits in me. You know, they've made these deposits that make me realize that even though I may be going through something, there's always somebody else that has it worse. Oh my God. And I, I resonate with that so much, Jordan. So I was born in Albania, in Tirana. My grandmother's house has those same buckets. Not outside, it's inside, but but yeah. like, you know, and then lights were intermittent. When it rained, it's like they might not be, you know, there may not be any electricity, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then like after 9 p.m., the light, you know, like the water gets shut off and you won't have it again until the next morning at 7 because that's when they shut the pump off. Like, and it's things like that that you come back here and you're like, you just have no idea. And you have like this gratitude of life because you've seen what it looks like from other sides. And then not only that, but when you see other people grateful for what they do have. And it's like so yes. far less than what oh, 100%. You, it's like, I'll never forget. I, I, there was a trip that really changed me when I went to Dominican Republic in high school, literally walk in and it was like, there, it's a dump. It's an actual dump. And there is people scrounging through it. <laughs> but they, it. And they're like singing and dancing. And they're like, you know, today we're praying for rain. They were saying it in Spanish. Today we're praying for rain. And then, and I kid you not, like I just got chills again. We were sitting there and it was like 10 minutes and they're like singing to the sky, just happy, full of joy. Like, thank you for like the things that we're going to find today, the food that we're going to find today, like all these things. And then it starts raining. This is the most beautiful moment of gratitude I've ever experienced. And then you come back to the U.S. and you're just like, don't complain about a damn thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've <laughs> like, definitely got no, no right to room to complain. Once. Yeah. So that reminds me, my first trip there was in 97. And I got the opportunity to go to a part of the country uh, called Baguio City. And in Baguio City, what's different about it is the temperature year round is between like 65 and 70. When the rest of the islands, you know, there's 2000 islands in the Philippines, it's you yeah. know, 85, 90 pretty much year round. And so it's a lot cooler. People like to go to the mountains. They're wearing hoodies, you know, that they can't do in any other part. And I went to this park called Mines View Park. And it's just a beauty. You look out and you just see mountains and it's just so beautiful. And there's all these houses that are really stacked, like literally stacked on top of each other like cans. And, and you know, people are living in these houses. And when you look down, there are kids and they've got multiple bamboo sticks. And on the top of the, the stick, there's a basket. And they're there hoping that tourists will actually throw money down to them so they can you know use that to support and i just looked at that and i was like really like that's where they live and you know but how resourceful is that like how you know what i'm saying like to think about like this is a way that we can help sustain and provide like these are the little kids you know they don't have to be doing this they could be out climbing trees and playing but they're literally out there helping their family by doing that you know and it's just so cool to see but also just made me realize like people are resilient you know they will figure out a way come hell or high water, whether it's, and I've seen that in the Philippines, the, the, the landfills, like, yeah, they're just out there looking for stuff and then they bring it back and, and they're super happy with it. You know, one man's trash is another one's treasure. And that we see that in the U S like we see people going in alleys and doing that. So it's really no different. It's just such a culture shock when you see something like that, especially for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. There's several things that you mentioned, Jordan, like I just, I just love and respect how much you've been through 
and yet you're still here smiling and like happy and all that and like you're able to take it with such grace and gratitude at every step of the way like I know people that would get destroyed by even one of the things that happened to you <laughs> like I like I, it's it's amazing to me it's amazing to me like in your thought process is just beautiful and have you always been like this positive like what did yeah, you do when you grew up as a kid <laughs> you know it's funny I actually wanted to have a business like I knew I didn't want to go to college in high school I was like that the kid that would like be disruptive and then I'd get sent to the principal's office because they didn't have like classes weren't built for people the kids that were hyper like classes weren't built for kids that were kinesthetic learners like in the 90s when I was in high school so I was just a disruptive kid and so the classes that I liked I performed well I got good grades if I didn't like it I was the kid that got in trouble you know and so for me I was like why would I go to college when I know I'm going to be the same knucklehead there you know and there in that those environments were probably going to be worse for me because I was going to go party and do all the things that college kids do so I was very self-aware that that wasn't a path that I wanted to take but like sales in in me in like face-to-face communication has always been something my mom always told me like you were born and then you just never stopped talking you know like because I would just talk with everybody I when I played sports Sports, I was more fond and had more fun doing the fundraising, like selling the candy bars and the beef jerky sticks, going door to door than I did actually play in sports, you know? And so <laughs> I knew that eventually I would get paid for being able to effectively communicate, right? And so if you take that and then you start actually gaining skill sets, you know, learning about the things that I've been able to learn over the years, it's really effective, right? Because I think, you know, being able to communicate face to face is one of the most powerful things that you can have. And I don't care what business you're in, you need people like that. Or you need people that can convey a message. You need people that, you know, can say the things that you that you need to actually hear to you, you know? And so I think it's it's really helped me as a coach, not, not some of those skill sets back then, but a lot of the stuff I learned, you know, in the 15 years I just spent with uh, my last company. Absolutely, Jordan, I love that. And you mentioned, so you didn't want to go to college. And so, your career path after there's a bunch of sales yeah so my career path was a bunch of sales like you know my first job i got in eighth grade for the oregonian newspaper i literally went door to door and tried to sign people up for the newspaper and for those of you watching that don't know what a newspaper is it's this 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 like giant i'm just kidding most people know what it is right but i literally it would like hi sir would you like to sign up for the daily the sunday or both and then we would get, you know, a couple bucks per subscription. And, and a quick story about my first day. It was bad. <laughs> it was bad. Like, I literally knocked on 100 doors. And I don't know if, if, if any of your listeners have ever done door-to-door sales or business-to-business or, you know, cold calling. But it's not easy, right? People are mean. And so I remember, like, I was so excited. I was so positive. And by, like, you know, door, door one through ten, I was, like, smiling. I was like, hi, my name is, you know, and be like, slam. And I just go to the – and I just kept my attitude up. But by door 11, I could literally see my body language my shoulders started to kind of shrug down. My facial expressions changed. So by door 100, Pam, I was defeated. I was literally on the curb with my clipboard between my legs. My brother David was with us. Our buddy Steve down the street. They were high-fiving because they got sales, and I'm just negged out, like lost my attitude. And I remember going back to the distributor's office, Pam, and this guy named Jim Franks. I'll never forget his name. Uh, he's like, hey, what happened? You know, He's trying to give me this like pep talk, and I was like, I don't know. Apparently, people don't read the newspaper. I don't know. Like, you know, No one wants to talk to me. You know, I'm not good at this. And he's like, Jordan, I want to tell you something. I don't know if this is going to make sense today, but one day it will. And he said, the sale doesn't start until the customer says no. 
And I looked at him and I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, Jim. Like, take, take me home, you know? And it really didn't kick in, Pam, until about four years later. I had, wow. I, I did go back for day two and I did get sales and I did, you know, do telemarketing and a, a bunch of different sales roles. I eventually became a sales trainer and I had a guy doing business to business sales. I was coaching him. He went out in the field. When he came back, he had that same look on his face of defeat as I did. And what did I say to him, Pam? I looked him in the eyes and I said, the sale doesn't start till the customer says no. Because no. at that moment it clicked. It's like, I have to be able to break the ice immediately. Any type of sales like that, like you have to, I'm looking for flags, their car, do they have, is there toys in the yard? Like how do I relate when they open that door? Because I only have a matter of like three seconds for them to be able to, to close that. So that's what it taught me. It's that, you know, they weren't saying no to me because of whatever. They might have just said no to me because I didn't get it out quick enough or, you know, I didn't. So I started figuring out ways like how could I break the ice? Like how do I add humor? So I'd be like they'd open the door. I'd be like, hey, how you doing? They're like, I'm OK. I'm like, I'm tired, you know, and then just start laughing. And they're like, oh, do you want some water? I'm like, yeah, sure. And and then that would break the ice and, and, and open up that conversation, you know. But it's funny how things we get taught, especially when we're in a moment of despair, it doesn't kick in. And then years later, We'll, we'll be like, man, that's the most brilliant thing. I wish I would have understood that before, you know? What's one thing, Jordan, that you would say that you learned during the grind that yeah. wasn't taught in school? Oh, well, when it comes to sales, it's yeah. really three key ingredients. For one, it's smile, right? When you smile at people, it's contagious. You know, yep. you cannot walk down the street and smile at somebody and them not smile back. I mean, there, there might be like the 1% of people that are just on their not scrolling and not paying attention, but it's super contagious, right? So smiling, uh, and they don't teach you that. They don't tell you to smile at each other in school. You know what I'm saying? They don't really yeah, teach yeah, you. Yeah. The other one is eye contact, you know, having that eye contact, not 100% because that's creepy. You don't want to <laughs> 100% look people in the eyes, but it's, you know, kind of a 70-30 thing. So I can look at you. I can maybe look at what I'm doing or point somewhere, but it's, you know, maintaining that eye contact because that builds a lot of trust and then the final thing is to be excited if you're not excited if you're in any type of sales and you're not excited no one else is gonna be yeah i can tell you that like they and and people can tell when you're faking it they can almost smell it it's like a scent you know so smile give great eye contact and have excitement and i don't care what you are selling you will have some level of success i love it jordan i love it and so I'm sure that this now led you, your path then, of course, led you down the path of entrepreneurship because it was just destined. That's to right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and when I think about I was with the same company 15 years. You know, I started in 06, got a job as a leasing professional, really because they had benefits. And we we had a six-month-old. <laughs> we were like, yes, we got benefits now. I was doing landscaping for my, for my dad, like actual, like, mowing, weed eating. Like I was literally helping his landscaping business. The office approached me and they said, Hey, you're, you're very positive. We see you every time we see you, you're happy. Do you ever think about doing leasing? And I was like, I don't know what that is, but if it has to do with sales, like I've done that my whole life. And they're like, yeah, it's sales. You show people an apartment and if they like it, if they lease it, you get hourly plus commission. And I said, do you have benefits? <laughs> you know? And so I literally interviewed because they had benefits and I was like, I'll get this job until I can kind of find a real job. And then 15 years later, you know, I moved from leasing to assistant to property manager in 16 months. It was like the fastest uh -huh. the company had seen without knowing anything about multifamily housing. And then I, you know, managed multiple communities. And then I eventually get promoted to a trainer and spent eight years in training and development. So learning how to teach, to train, to build content, to build PowerPoints, 
to shoot videos to and then I eventually taught a, a six month leadership program for three years that rotated between Atlanta and DC and I had 15 students each year that I coached and it was predicated on Myers-Briggs so I'm certified in Myers-Briggs we jumped into topics like strengths-based leadership emotional intelligence how to handle conflict how to develop high-performing teams and Pam you know those three years really uh, showed me that I can really help bring people from where they are to where they want to be from a coaching standpoint. And so, you know, having that kind of instilled in me and that professional development journey I went on, you know, when you get certified in something like you're inundated in it, like you want to know it, you want to understand it, especially if you're going to be teaching it to someone else. So I just got so immersed in professional development, which led me into reading books for the first time. <laughs> you know, because that wasn't a thing I was into, you know, and now I've, I've just, you know, found a newfound passion for reading and and that has added so much depth and started listening to podcasts and uh, 2019, we can get into here in a second, but 2019 really kind of set everything into motion. And I'd love to share that here in a minute. Yeah. Oh my God. No, I would love it. Like, let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey. What happened in 2019? Yeah. So 2019, still in the corporate world, still a trainer. I actually get a goal in February of that year. And my boss was like, why don't you try to figure out a social media platform that we can get our associates engaged in? You know, we can maybe put some stuff out and have them in involved outside of what we do in our learning management system because everyone's got an LMS and you know people yeah. get tired of seeing the same stuff you know so I went on this journey of you know between February and April I was like looked at Facebook can we maybe build a Facebook group and that's how we do it I looked at Snapchat I was like yeah this is probably not gonna work I looked at I think three or four platforms and then finally LinkedIn was like maybe let's check this out and so in 2019 LinkedIn maybe the end of 2018 they just started beta testing video uh, mm -hmm. so it was like kind of video just got rolled out and so I started seeing video in my feed you know you're scrolling and it's like a video and then a video and I started kind of watching these videos and really getting inspired by what people were doing and I started just asking myself questions like could I do this you know is this could I put out a video about a topic and teach and just try to add value to people. And so I came across this this creator named Brian Shulman. People have kind of tagged him the godfather of LinkedIn. You know, he's one of the top LinkedIn voices. He's been on the platform like 18 years. He's got a big audience. And so I reached out to him. You know, he does these two initiatives that were very positive. And as you can tell, I'm super positive. So we resonated. And so I said, hey, Brian, what would you say if I started putting out videos around marketing, sales, and leadership. You know, these are things that I talk about for my job, you know, and I, I feel like they could help people. And my company's asking me to, to, you know, do something, you know, and he's like, well, they'll tell me a little bit about yourself and tell me your backstory. Tell me, you know, and, and I kind of shared with some of the stuff I've been sharing with you. And he's like, he's like, brother, like you need to share this. Like people need to hear what you have to say. Pam, he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And he planted a seed that day that I'm that I'm still so grateful for because he said, one day you're gonna have a brand bigger than me. And you know, he recently was like, I just passed fifty thousand followers, Jordan, but you're you're sixty something. So remember when I told you you know, and it's just so powerful when people can make these deposits in our lives and, and see something in us because I wasn't confident, Pam. Like I didn't want to get on video. I hate the way I sounded and the way I looked and what do I have? to say why would anybody want to listen to me i had all of the clear imposter syndromes that i think most of us face in our lives but he he for whatever reason i believed him and so i started creating i started putting out content i think in april i had seven thousand connections or followers by december i was at twenty thousand. 
like a, a stadium full of people were following what I was doing. And I was just so humbled and grateful and blown away. And it, it encouraged me to start my podcast. It was like, man, if people are this tuned in, why not give them more? Why not? You know, so I started kind of thinking, what do I want to do? What do I want to call this thing? And, you know, I grew up in Portland. I'm a big fan of the trailblazers, but just the word, you know, trailblazers, what that means, people going against the grain, people you know, doing things different outside the box. I was like, I feel like that's who I am. And those are the people I want to meet and learn from. And so that's why I started the podcast uh, in hopes to interview people that have blazed their own trail in business and life. And we could learn all about their journey, but not just the good stuff, like the hardships, the things like these types of real life conversations so that we can give our audience value. And my first guest was none other than Brian Shulman, right? It was full circle. I got to bring him on the show and, and tell his story of being a one and a half pound miracle baby. I mean, that grew up with Tourette's and, you know, experienced a lot of adversity and now is one of the top speakers in the world, you know? So it's just amazing how things come around full circle. I end up having Heather Monahan as my second guest, who basically was one of the people that encouraged me to go out on my own, you know? And it's so funny how the podcast networks are just so tight knit and it's such a beautiful community. But in that first 50 episodes of the show, I felt like I got a PhD in multiple topics. I felt like I became a better version of me and so that's why you know 81 episodes later we're still continuing we're now got listeners in 68 countries which has been phenomenal and about eight days from now i'm going to celebrate my one year anniversary of blazing my own trail to launch my business that is so exciting oh my god jordan that is amazing that is so amazing and you said a couple of things in there that were that were really really important but brian to you was like your cheerleader yeah, he's I look at him as a mentor. Like he's some he is a guy. We've never exchanged any monetary anything, right? But but he's always been there to support me and so uh, you know, when I'm on interviews, the least I can do is shout him out, right? Because he's the one that, you know, sparked the fire in me to go start to blaze my own trail, you know? And I saw a TED talk once and you should definitely look this up. You'd love it, Pam. It, it, it's a guy by the name of Drew Dudley. And he talks about these things called lollipop moments. And these are the moments in our lives when someone comes in and they do something to positively impact us, but we never actually let them know that they did. And so I've been on a mission since watching that, that, you know, I need to think about these people in my life that have been there that have shown up when they didn't need to be there and i need to make sure that i you know i'm on that mission to to somehow thanking them whether it's a text or a phone call or a note just saying hey do you remember when this happened thank you so much you don't know how much that actually set me on the right path you know and so if you get a chance or your audience gets a chance drew dudley's ted talk lollipop moments it will it will really make a big impact on your life so interesting to me so like the thing is we get so hung up like an imposter syndrome and like all these things. It's like, Oh, you can't possibly want to listen to what I have to say. It was kind of like the same thing with me. Right. Like when I was thinking about, you know, how do I add more value to the world? Cause I'd gotten to a point in my career in like real estate where I made it to Forbes, made it to time magazine, you know, sold developed required a hundred million in real estate assets. And like, you know, you would think that that's like a huge, huge thing. And I still, after that was, I was like, okay, this is cool. Like what's next, you know? And then I was getting that little voice inside my ear. It was like, Oh yeah, Pam, you're doing great for yourself. What are you doing for the world? And I was like, 
damn it you know like <laughs> you know and then and then you're like yeah but how am I supposed to do you know what I mean like I saw everything you were saying about like doubting yourself and kind of like just being like I don't know you know kind of thing but like those cheerleaders that step in and like just yes. straight yeah. up believe in you it's like when I hear stories like that I just get so like it makes me so happy because it's those cheerleaders make all the difference and so 100%. now my mission now is like I want to be a cheerleader for everyone around me just like you're a cheerleader for the people around you now and so yeah. they can be like well Jordan believed in me you know like it, it's such a cool thing to like keep flowing out and I absolutely love that I absolutely love that about you and just your humble humble attitude just every everything else and I mean one of my favorite questions in the world it which is what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now because i know that there's so much but if you had to pinpoint it and it could be anything whatever yeah first. i would say be patient be patient with yourself because it's very easy to want to rush our success you know it's very easy to want to be somewhere and you know in every adversity that i've faced in my life there's always been something that outshines it in, in from a good perspective we never realize it when we're in the moment right we're in right. when we're in those valleys it's hard to kind of see uh, but when you're starting to climb and you start to look back, you realize that uh, you needed to go through that and able to get exactly where you're supposed to be. You know, and I think about like if and I, I've been telling people this a lot, like if I think about 2019, it was a lot of planting seeds. You now, one thing I didn't share is that as I started creating content, I had a lot of people reaching out because my content was getting engagement. I was getting ton, you know, views and comments and just creating this sense of community. And people were, would literally like, how do you do that? And so I started helping people with just for free. Like I would I remember my wife was like, are any of these people paying you like you're giving all, all this advice. And I was like, I was like, listen it's going to come back eventually. Like I'm helping these people out. Like I'm trying to learn and I'm taking what I'm learning and giving it to them in hopes that it will work for them because it's worked for me. Right. But I had to become a practitioner of what I did. It was super important to me to actually, you know, have this real proof of concept of what I was doing. And so I planted a lot of seeds in 2019 In 2020 was cultivating a lot of those seeds. You know, I'd planted them, but if you don't, if you plant stuff and you don't water, what happens? Like nothing. Right. So I was plant, I was cultivating, cultivating those seeds and that started turning into paid clients you know people that were saying hey no let me i need to pay you for this you help me let me pay you and i started getting testimonials and so i started to really build that kind of, that book of business i thought i was ready to leave you know in 2020 and when i look back i was nowhere near where i needed to be there were some some hard times i needed to face there were some things i needed to experience i needed to experience a pandemic to prove to myself that I could have a full-time job, have a podcast and a business. And when, when the end of 20 came around, you know, and I was kind of taking inventory on what I had really accomplished over 2020 while having a full-time job, I said, wow, if I can do that, there, there's no reason why I can't be successful on my own. I love that, Jordan. I mean, just your whole trajectory and everything. Like, it's just, it's so cool. And congratulations on your one year of blazing your own trail. Almost is- there, right? Almost, almost, almost made it. Yeah, it's been, it's been a, been a fun year. It's, you know, it's one, it's one of those years where there's probably like ten different emojis that could explain it. You know, it's like the crying emoji, the laughing, the mat. You know, you could probably put a whole line of them up. And and when you look back, it's just like I can do nothing but smile because you made it through, right? You, you, you right. make it through everything because we're, we're the truth is we all are gonna face adversities in our life. We usually face them every day and they might not be as big as the others, but uh, really the only thing that matters is, you know, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to stay down? Or are you going to get back up? And we, everybody has the same choice. 
We just have to make the choice that's right for us. And sometimes we may need to suffer through it. And that might teach us a lesson, you know, and um, it's so interesting. I came up with a quote in 2019, didn't know how much I would need it in 2020. You know, it, it added a ton of value in 21. So I'd love to share it with your audience. Quick backstory. I literally wrote it in my bathroom. Me and my wife were just kind of having a conversation. And I do a lot of quote, just coming up with quotes in my notes of my iPhone. And so I like typed it in my phone. I showed it to her and she's like that sounds just like you you know it was just so funny but you know what the quote is is the struggle might be real but the good news is that every struggle comes with a free gift called a lesson and it was something that for me when I wrote it it just sounded so right and if I think about my whole life up to age 40 that I'm at it's literally been that you know there's always been lessons there's always been something and here's the thing It's do we want to actually learn from them or not, you know, because there can be a lesson in front of us, but we can say, yeah, skip that lesson. Right. And that can take us on one path. And we could also say, you know, and uh, listen, uh, transparency, I've been on both ends. I've been the knucklehead that's like, let me go the dumb path and, you know, see what happens. And it's always ended bad, you know, (laughs) but when I've gone the other way, it's, it's, it's always ended good. That's amazing, Jordan. That's amazing. And I mean, it's it's incredible because you just explained that 2020 was like a kind of a crazy year. 2021 was a crazy year, you know, and all these transitions and shuffles in your in your life. But like in 2022, what's going on in your world? What's up in the next six to 12 months? Like what's blaze your own trail up to? Like, yeah, let yeah. me know all the things. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. So so of course we launched in January of 21 and it's interesting because I actually had the the business. It used to be called Impulse Consulting. That was when it was a side hustle. And when I went full time, I said, I have to use this name for my agency. It's the, my podcast is Blaze Your Own Trail Consulting. I help people blaze their own trail. The agency has to be called. So I actually got the LLC, Blaze Your Own Trail Consulting LLC. And it was so you know cool to be able to have all the branding be synonymous and together and the mission like all of it like i help entrepreneurs blaze their own trail with strategic marketing sales and leadership that's it like those are the three areas that we play in and so what's been really cool and over 21 is just the evolution of my services you know Mm -hmm. because when, when you have a proof of concept and then you kind of build it it's almost like you know excel sheets and word docs you know if you know what i'm saying and then now like I'm so proud of what we were able to do. I was able to just take one service that would take four hours of time down to one hour because I added team members that could fill in the pieces and I could remove myself. And so by creating those efficiencies, the revenue increased. And then we also added a recurring revenue component to the offer. So not only did we take this offer and, you know, increase the value of it, but we made it more valuable for the client as well, because it includes everything that anyone would need to really get their business dialed in and up and running from a CRM, a calendar system, uh, email marketing standpoint, course building standpoint, uh, all in one place. And the funnel building side of it, the landing pages, the web pages, we actually do that as a done for you service. So we take the heavy lifting off, which is what most people are scared of. Like, how do I build a funnel? Like, what does this landing page say? I don't want to even, this is too technical. So we literally, for one setup fee, we take care of the heavy lifting and then we teach them how to actually manage their whole business on the CRM. uh, And that's monthly, monthly support and everything. So it's crazy to think that that used to look like a PayPal invoice with four delivery 
deliverables and it was four zoom calls and it was me on these calls when people would forget their past you know it's just funny yeah. how things can evolve right and so uh, i am all about how do i add the most value with everything that i do and so that's just one example of taking one service and turning it into something bigger and better for for everybody I love that. I love that, Jordan. And I know this year is going to be even more explosive growth for you. I mean, as everyone's starting to shift and transition and figure out what is their purpose and how to market and digital marketing is going to be more important now more than ever, especially video marketing. Video marketing is going to be everything. I feel like yeah. authenticity, authenticity is like being wanted 100%. more than anything else. People want real people. They, they're not, they're tired of like the professional video that's yep. like, all prim and proper and perfect they're like they want to see you like out with your kids they want to see you like you know what i mean that authentic yeah. self you know and so i think it's really cool that's kind of where business is heading and that's kind of where you are you're well and different. that's the fun part about what people get with me my linkedin coaching program you know i originally launched it in 2020 we put a few people through it got some good testimonials and case studies and, and then we had about 15 people go through it in 21 you know people getting results and the way that i teach on linkedin is you have to look at LinkedIn that you're marketing to humans because you are, <laughs> you know, we're not marketing to, to robots. So when I'm working with clients, just to give your audience kind of behind the scenes, when we look at a profile, I don't want it to look like a resume. Like I want you to give context into who you are, because at the okay. end of the day, when that person gets on the phone, that's the person they're getting on the phone with. And yeah. so if, if anyone, and I encourage anyone in the audience, go low read my profile. Like it starts out with storytelling. I'm talk about my mom and the adversity she experienced and my pivotal moments because I want people to get to know me. Yeah. And it's very hard to get to know the person that was Kumasum Laudi, like all, you know, all these technical certifications and all that right on there. Like I can get that from your resume. I don't need to see <laughs> that on your about summary. The about summary is supposed to be about you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so right. that's what I teach my clients to do is. And again, it's you share as much as you want to share. You like I don't ever force someone to overshare, but whatever you think is going to give someone context into you as a human, because that's going to encourage them to hit that connect button. That's what's going to encourage them to go to your content. That's what's going to encourage them to book a call. It's that they see, wow, I can actually relate to this person. Right. Absolutely. I love that. I love, and it's clear. I mean, look at, look at where you are now, Jordan. It's, it's incredible. And you're going to help so many more other people get there. You now you got to let anyone and everyone know where to find you and your awesomeness. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, a few places, you know, one of the best places you can go to jordanjmendoza.com. Uh, that's just kind of a, a solo webpage where you'll get to learn about some of the initiatives that, that I'm up to. You'll learn about my LinkedIn coaching program. You'll learn about the Blaze Your Own Trail podcast. You'll get some previews of some of the LinkedIn or, or the YouTube videos that I've got out there with uh, my uh, YouTube channel. And then another place, if you're looking for a podcast, probably not as cool as Pam's, but Blaze Your Own Trail, you can go to BYOT podcast.com and you know one thing i'd love to do if that's okay for your listeners pam anybody that uh, listens to this and that or watches this you can find me on any platform linkedin instagram TikTok. if you send me on any of those platforms twitter as well direct message and then you just say hey i heard this episode uh, and, and this is only of course if you're if you want to really see explosive growth on linkedin if you want to use it as a place where you can truly build real organic relationships that that 
could potentially turn into business or partnerships or more listeners for your show or books sold, I would love to chat with you. So if you send me a DM with the word blaze, just let me know you heard me on Pam's show. Uh, I'll actually give you $500 off our 12 week course. Okay, so that's for, and that's only, you know, well, I'll probably uh, enable that for, you know, the next 30 days, if that's okay, Pam. 30 days after the episode airs, that'll be live. So send me a message. My goal is is to only work with people that I can actually help. So I, I don't try to sell you. I want to actually meet you face to face because you're going to get this guy and I'm going to get you. So we need to actually meet to make sense, to see if it makes sense for us to even work together. Absolutely. Jordan, I love that. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for your awesomeness. I can't wait to see how business blows up and the podcast and just all that you're up to. It's, I think it's only going to get much bigger, much more exciting. You're going to impact more lives. And I'm just pumped for you. Thank you so much for your time today and for being here with us. No, listen, Pam, it was my pleasure. I hope that the audience, you know, gets at least one takeaway from, you know, our conversation. If if that happens, because my mentor, Brian Shulman, he put it this way. He said, Jordan, your goal should be to inspire one person a day. Take the pressure off yourself because, Pam, as you know, if you can do that every day of the year, that's 365 people a year. And those are great numbers any way you look at it. I love it, Jordan. Thank you so, so much. Now, everyone who's listening, like Jordan just said, try to inspire one person a day. Thank you so, so much. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode. Oh,